taking the discussion from 0 to 100 in seconds. Radio 111 presents Southern California's talk about cars and trucks. It's all revved up with Todd Bianco. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm excited that we're on Radio 111 now. I think it's a great new name, and uh, I look forward to many more shows. Uh, Let's start off with some news. We've got a lot of it lately. Uh, And then at the second hour, we'll have Bring a Trailer uh, and some uh, other uh, things I think will be fun at the end where we'll go through uh, old uh, stickers from, you know, cars and see what things cost back then. Uh, let's start off with, you know, it's not going to be an all Tesla show, but let's just start off with Tesla because the Tesla Model 3 has been ranked the number one uh, on Cars.com American Made Index for 2021, uh, marking the first time an electric car has been uh, has taken the top spot. And the Model Y also built in Fremont, California, finished third. Uh, The annual survey compiles a number of factors, including uh, the final manufacturing location of the vehicles and its parts, plus jobs created by its production. Components sourced from Canada are included, however, as they fall under the uh, criteria of the American Automobile uh, Labeling Act. A survey of cars.com found that 72% of American car shoppers considered the local economic impact of their purchase decision, uh, which was... uh, up from 70% last year, so it's increasing. Uh, While 29% say that it's unpatriotic to buy an imported car, and by the way, the number two car was the Ford Mustang, not the Mach-E, but just the regular Mustang. Um, Volvo uh, is going to have an all-electric flagship SUV, the XC90, and that's gonna be called the XC90 Recharge. It's due in 2022. It's likely going to be a 2023 model. Uh, Volvo will aim for a high level of autonomy and safety. Uh, They're going to offer LiDAR in the electric version of the XC90, along with an advanced sensor suite that will be part of a safety system package, but will also be used for, they say, a level three autonomy. Good luck on that. Uh, Volvo plans for half its sales volume to be battery electric by the year 2025, and Volvo plans to be all electric by 2030. Uh, The solid-state LiDAR bar uh, developed by Luminar uh, will be a a sensor suite aimed at reducing the risk of collision, uh, the risk that's expected to be reduced over time as software improves and it's refreshed via over-the-air updates. LiDAR, which is light detection and range and ranging uh, bounces laser beams off objects to measure the distance between itself and its surroundings, painting a three-dimensional picture of its of the environment. Uh, software then uses the image to detect and address various objects in its path. It's expensive, but uh, prices are coming down. Um, just a note, Elon Musk says that LiDAR is a fool's errand because it does not see it can bounce. It doesn't know what it's looking at. You know, it, it bounces the images, uh, you know, the, the laser beams bounce back. So they know there's an object there, but they don't know what that object is or, or what it's doing. Uh, so Tesla's going full in on vision. So it's going to be cameras. Uh, as he says that we drive our cars by just using our eyes. So why can't the car do that? Uh, naturally, Volvo uh, expects to use a huge battery for the XC recharge. Uh, no doubt it, its goal will be to have at least a 300-mile range. 
The hotly anticipated Chevy Corvette C8Z06 has been delayed for years, uh, while more powerful, the track-ready Z06 has been spied testing, and some juicy details like its 600-plus horsepower, 5.5-liter flat-plane crank V8 with twin cams, uh, actuating its valves has been leaked. Uh, it's not happening anytime soon, though. The high demand for the regular C8 keeps the factory at full capacity, uh, as does the chip shortage, uh, because they have to reduce production for the chips. Uh, and info is out. Info is out that the 2022 model year uh, Corvette is already sold out. So that's 2022 already sold out. Um, you know, the p- pandemic-related issues are also said to have played a role in the Z06 lengthy gestation. Um, if we're lucky, it will show up sometime in 2023. Ferrari has revealed the replacement uh, for the uh, F8 Tributo in the form of a new V6 plug-in supercar. It's called the 290 GTB, and it packs a whopping 818 horsepower, or almost 50, 150 horsepower more than the rival McLaren Artura. Uh, the 3.0-liter twin-turbo uh, V6 has a wide 120-degree V angle uh, as, as the internal combustion component. The wide angle uh, helps create a lower center of gravity while, pre- while providing adequate space for the turbos to be mounted. The V6 revs to 8,500 RPM, which is really high, and is mated to an eight-speed dual-clutch uh, transmission, which is sandwiched between the and sandwiched between the two units is an electric motor. Um, the VA generates 654 horsepower on its own, while the electric horse electric motor adds another 164 horsepower to bring it to the total of 100 I mean, 818. Peak torque is 545 pound feet, and it drives just the rear wheel, so it's not all wheel drive. As a small 7.45 kilowatt hour battery that you know helps the electric range be 15 miles if that's possible. I doubt it is, but because when you drive a Ferrari, you do you know you don't drive it slowly and you know hope that you can get the best electric range. You're lucky to be getting getting maybe three or four miles on that uh, that, that range. Uh, I don't like the name. I think the name is awful, but the car itself is stunning. I've seen pictures of it, and Dan Neal of the Wall Street Journal has reviewed it, and he absolutely loved it. Um, so, hey, I'm sure it's already sold out. Uh, Honda has announced that an electric crossover that it is developing on a platform sourced from General Motors will be called the Prologue and will start sales in the United States as a 2024 model, likely in late 2023. An accurate version of the Prologue uh, should be launched a year uh, later as a 2025 model. Honda is basing the Prologue on the Cadillac Lyric, which should hit showrooms early next year. Uh, as an aside, uh, Honda just announced that they said that they uh, aim on having a 70,000 unit a year volume for the prologue. I don't know how they're going to get that because I don't think GM can get anywhere near that for the Lyric uh, because of battery constraints. Another electric automaker has gone public by merging with a special purpose acquisition corporation. Um, Electric Mile Last Solution is based in Troy, Michigan, and is slated to launch a commercial electric van aimed at the growing market for the last mile deliveries. Uh, the urban delivery van, uh, with a strange, uh, with a starting price of twenty-five thousand uh, dollars, with a federal tax credit available, which means it costs about 
maybe 32500 So they always quote the price after the credit. Uh, it's slated to be uh, the first commercial van of its size, small, which is going to be small, to launch in the United States. It's about the size of a Nissan NV200 compact cargo van, van if you've seen those running around. Uh, the urban delivery van will be built uh, at ELMS's um, recently acquired facility in Mishawaka, uh, Indiana, which once produced Hummers. Employ uh, the the van is expected to have a range of about 150 miles, which is more than enough for uh, last uh, the last mile concept. The vans will be pitched at fleet operators, not consumers. Uh, Daimler is going on to is going to bundle the Maybach, AMG, and G-Class into an ultra-luxury group within the company. So they're sort of going to just put all those together as a you know a separate entity within Daimler. Uh, Mercedes-Benz will be on the other side. Uh, Volkswagen just gave Bugatti to Porsche and Remick. And here's how it goes, because it, this is a complicated one. First of all, Volkswagen owned uh, 100% of Bugatti. They gave it to Porsche. Now, Porsche owns, let's go back to Remick Group. Remick is the uh, Croatian su- electric supercar manufacturer that a lot of people are very interested in. And they have absolutely fantastic cars with fantastic tech. Uh, so Porsche owns 24% of Remick. Hyundai owns 12%. Uh, Maddie Remick, who is the founder, owns 37%. And other investors own 27%. Of That's of the Remick group. Now, Porsche now would, uh, and then with the with the Bugatti thing, Porsche now owns 45% of Bugatti. And the Remick group, of which Porsche is the 24% shareholder, owns the new entity Bugatti Remick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Remick Group also owns 100% of uh, Remick Technology, and Bugatti Remick, the new entity that they just formed, owns Bugatti Automobiles and Remick Automobiles. So we assume that they're going to be electrifying uh, Bugatti, which is pretty much where it needs to go. I think it's a good fit for Porsche. Uh, Remix hypercars out, you know, came out showing off their technology as a product of, as a whole. Uh, but Remick, it doesn't care about selling the cars. The cars always sell out no matter what they make. Uh, but it's basically proof of concept that it's, you know, it's the engineering and everything else, the, you know, the battery technology and the electronics technology that they're uh, trying to um, sell to other manufacturers in which they are doing uh, to Aston Martin, to Cohen Seg and uh, Ferrari, uh, Porsche, of course, will take uh, an interest in it all. Uh, Stellantis, which is the new holding company for the Fiat Chrysler Group and the Peugeot uh, Group, uh, is throwing $36 billion at an electrification program. By 2024, there will be an electric Ram 1500, as well as an electric Dodge muscle car branded as American E-Muscle. Oh boy, American e-muscle. Uh, the promise is to tear up the streets, not the planet, and the vehicles will be performance-oriented, all-wheel drive. Okay, well, that's, you know, marketing speak, I guess, is great. Uh, Jeep showcased a plug-in 2022 Grand Cherokee um, 4x4, I mean, 4XE uh, hybrid, which is due later this year. Uh, it'll join the Wrangler, Wrangler 4XE as Jeep's second plug-in SUV. Further, Jeep teased an all-new mystery electric SUV com- complete with a rear spare tire. Interesting. It doesn't do good for 
aerodynamics. Uh, Stellantis also showed a premium vehicle platform, but didn't indicate a vehicle to be built on it. Um, my hope is that Chrysler will become a premium battery electric brand. Uh, by 2028, Opel will be a pure electric brand on its own home turf in Europe, uh, and the company will also enter China uh, as a 100% electric brand. So Opel really doesn't do any business in China. But when they do, uh, when Stellantis has them uh, open their businesses there, it's going to be a 100% electric brand. Um, Stellantis told the investors that the media – uh, and the media that it plans on electrifying 98% of its fleet by 2025. Wow. So that's pretty soon, but electrifying doesn't really mean much. All it means is it's going to be a plug-in version of just about every one of their cars. Uh, it's not going to be a lot of battery electric cars. It's just going to be plug-in stuff. Um, you know, we'll we'll see where it goes. I, I'm not sure how... You know how well that's going to all go over, but uh, I hope I hope it will be something good. Um, I, you know, after the commercial, we're going to talk about cars with the highest resale value for 2021, and you may be surprised by some of them. Uh, this is um, Todd Bianco. You're listening to All Revved Up on iHub Radio, and I'm really happy we're here. And we'll be back after these messages. Radio 111 is talking all things automotive on All Revved Up with Todd Bianco. Welcome back. Before the break, I said we were going to be talking about uh, cars with the highest retail value for 2021. Um, it's, a, it's a really interesting list, and apparently they decided to leave Tesla out because Tesla has the highest resale value of any of these. And in fact, some of some cases, it's up to 75%. But let's start uh, the list with the lowest uh, on the list, and that's a Toyota Corolla hatchback. It's at 54%. This is after three years. It's not bad. Uh, that's followed by a BMW, or it's tied by the BMW M4. Uh, M cars always have good resale value because they're highly desirable and there's not that many of them. It's also at 54%. Then there's the Camaro ZL1. Again, another performance car that there's just not that many out there and they were expensive when they were purchased originally. And it's, you know, it has a 54.3% uh, retail uh, retained value. Uh, then the Lexus RC350, which you almost never see them around. This is basically the Lexus Coupe, uh, the uh, the small one. Uh, it's at 55.1%. Uh, wow. And then the Mini Cooper uh, JCW, John Cooper Works Convertible. 
again, something you just don't see that much because the JCW package is a, an expensive option uh, when you buy a Mini. And the convertibles, you just don't see them anymore. I don't even know if they make them. So three years, uh, three-year-old, one of those, 55.4%. Uh, a Subaru Impreza hatchback, surprisingly, uh, has a retained uh, value of 56.3%. A BMW M3 sedan uh, is better than the M4, which is the coupe, which is, uh, I guess, uh, interesting that the sedan retains a slightly higher resale value of uh, 56.5%. Then the Dodge Challenger RT Scat Pack. Uh, again, uh, more performance-oriented uh, Challenger. That's the two-door Dodge uh, as opposed to the four-door uh, Charger. Uh, it's at 59.9%. And it's even higher if you have an exotic color like purple, believe it or not, because there's just so few of them. And they're sort of like, you know, that's kind of a cool-looking color, I guess. Uh, then there's the uh, Nissan GTR Nismo, which is, again, the, the performance version of the already performance-oriented GTR. Uh, that retains a 60% uh, value. Uh, the, the racy Subaru WRX uh, retains a value of 60.5%. And by the way, Subaru just showed the new WRX, and it's nothing much to look. I mean, it's you know, it looks like a Subaru, but uh, it's also got a lot of really good uh, specs on it. And I'm sure that the few that they sell will be very happy, uh, will have very happy owners uh, because it's, again, it's a very focused car. Uh, that has a 60.5%. I think I said that. Then the uh, Honda Civic Type R. Again, when you're paying $40,000 for a Honda Civic, which is the racing version of it, uh, I guess, and there's just not that many of them. It has a big wing on back and stuff. That's a 61.3% retained value. Uh, the Porsche 718 Cayman GT4. Again, the, the theme here is the performance versions of these. So the GT4 uh, Cayman re- retains 62.3% of value, which is really very good. Uh, and its a sister car, the 718 Boxster Spider. Again, the Spider being the much more expensive version of the regular Boxster. Uh, very cool looking. It always gets a, a really cool looking bikini top and stuff. Uh, it's at 62.4%, nearly identical to the Cayman GT4. Um, then comes the Ford Shelby Mustang GT500, which, again, is the very fast uh, Shelby Mustang. And uh, no doubt that there's not that many of them out there. And, and when you bought them, there was always like a dealer markup and they were, you know, highly valuable. And, you know, people are just, you know, standing in line for these things. Uh, that, it has a retail value, resale value of 63.4%. Um, and then the Porsche 911 Turbo Cabriolet. Gee, not the Turbo S, but the 911 Turbo Cab uh, is at 64.8%. And that's the list that they came out with. Uh, Tesla's killing it because uh, Tesla has, and again, why they don't even list it on here is is hard to know. But uh, the uh, 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 when you go to Tesla's website and you look for trade-in values, they're very high, sometimes 80%. There's a waiting list right now for the Model Y, which is 
uh, another four or five months. So sometime in the, you know, we're stretching the first quarter of 2022 that you would have to wait to get one. Uh, the Model 3, you can get a little, little sooner with maybe uh, three months, but there's a long wait for anything. And Model S is even longer. And Model X, forget it, that's six to seven months out. So the, there's a waiting list for almost all of those. And that means that the resale value of existing ones is going through the roof. So if you're trading in your Tesla for something, you can probably get a really, really good deal on it, uh, you know, as far as the trade-in value because of the long wait for anything new from Tesla. Again, a lot of this is created by the chip shortage as well. You know, Elon has talked about this in, in a recent interview. He thinks that the chip uh, issues will be resolved sometime in the middle of 2022. So he doesn't see this as a very long-term problem, but it does exist. So for all the manufacturers, so it's uh, something to really think about for any car that you're going to buy. If it's a popular one, they might be missing chips. Uh, this is Todd Bianco. You're listening to All Revved Up on iHub Radio. And when we get back, we have some more news for you. Up continues with Todd Bianco, your Radio 111 auto aficionado. Here's Todd. Welcome back on Radio 111. Todd Bianco on All Revved Up. Now, if you haven't heard about it, Toyota finally, finally redesigned the uh, 2022 uh, uh, Tundra. I mean, it's been 15 years since they've refreshed the car. I mean, in or the truck. And in that time, I think there's been three different Ford F-150s and probably three different Silverados and at least two or three Ram uh, generations all within that time. And Toyota just was yawning and going ahead and, you know, making the same truck year after year. It really becomes stale. So this one is finally all new. It's on a new platform. The new platform is going to be used also for the the, uh, smaller Tacoma. So we'll see how that works out, as well as the uh, large Sequoia SUV and the 4Runner. Um, and those are all refreshed. So it's going to be interesting how they're going to use the same platform for all those different size uh, trucks and SUVs. So let's go over what it's going to be. It's probably going to be expensive, but starting maybe 35000 to 55000 depending on uh, the trim level. It There will not be a V8 option anymore. Uh, the new truck uh, has an available 437 horsepower twin turbo V6 hybrid powertrain. Uh, new suspension. It has a huge 14 inch touchscreen because, you know, the bigger the better when it comes to touchscreens. Uh, let's see. Uh, the standard powertrain is a 389 horsepower uh, twin turbo of 3.4 liter V6. But then there's the, the hybrid, which is the one that has most of the power, and it makes 437 horsepower and 583 pound-feet of torque. It'll go on sale uh, by the end of this year. It's built in Toyota's uh, San Antonio, Texas uh, plant. Uh, there will be the trim levels are the SR, SR5, Limited, Platinum, 1794, what is that for the Alamo, uh, and TRD Pro models. 
the hybrid won't be available until a few months after that, according to, to Toyota. Uh, since the last time it was redesigned, you know they, they've really fallen behind, yet they still sold them. And they're really very reliable pickup trucks, and they still sell very well on the used market. Uh, so as I said, it's built on their new uh, platform, uh, the uh, TRD uh, focused off-road model. Uh, is fitted with two 2.5-inch two Fox dampeners with internal bypass chambers uh, and uh, remote re- reservoirs and 33-inch Falcon Wild Wild Peak all-terrain tires. In other words, it's going to be very uncomfortable and make a lot of noise on the freeway. Uh, the uh, the new uh, the new uh, 3.4 liter V6. It's all new. Replaces the previous models. Uh, 5.7 liter ancient V8. Uh, you know we talked about its uh, horsepower, 389. Uh, in a hybrid, it comes uh, and and uh, with the torque, it's 479 pound feet, uh, which is an increase of eight eight horsepower and 78 pound feet over the V8. Um, it's paired with a 10 speed automatic transmission, and that's also to compete uh, with Ford's a new power boost hybrid. And by the way, Ford ditched their diesel option because the uh, Power Boost Hybrid F-150 is selling better than the diesel. So that's a much better option for them. So they got rid of their diesel. Good idea. Uh, so the uh, Toyota is offering a hybrid version of the V6 called the iForce Max. And this powertrain comes standard on the TRD Pro trim. Uh, it has a low-speed EV mode and uses an electric motor sandwich between the twin-turbo V6 and the 10-speed automatic. Um, it's powered by a roughly 1.5-kilowatt-hour nickel-metal hydride battery pack, which is in sort of ancient technology, but it's the same thing they use in uh, the Prius and things like that. Uh, its output is higher than the Ford, making it 437 horsepower at 5,200 RPM and 585 pound-feet of torque at 2,400 RPM. But unlike the F-150, there's no built-in generator, so that's a plus for Ford. Toyota, Toyota says it will announce fuel economy estimates in the coming months, and it aims to beat the power boost 25 miles per gallon EPA rating. Uh, Tundras can tow up to 12,000 pounds, 1,800 more than the previous generation, uh, but it's still less than some versions of the Chevy Ford and Ram half-ton, uh, you know, competition. Max payload is rated at 1,940 pounds, also less than the domestic truck competition. And uh, available 360-degree camera can help while towing, and an integrated uh, trailer brake controller can detect the blind spot of whatever is hooked up. Uh, every Tundra tailgate can be released uh, by a button on the key fob, and the crew cab models come with either a five and a half or six and a half foot bed, while the extended cab configurations can be equipped with 6.5 or 8.1 foot beds. Uh, that's a pretty big. That's a pretty big truck. Uh, both rear and uh, four-wheel drive Tundras are available, and if you happen to Google it to see the uh, how it looks like, it's got a massive massive face i guess that's the trend in pickup trucks is to have the largest possible face on any of these things uh, and i think it's hideous but uh, you know it'll sell they even have one uh, i think it's one of the off-road ones where there's got a, a gigantic led light bar built into the actual grill uh you know, uh, that's the thing you don't want to see in your review mirror because it'll blind you out. Uh, at least it will come with a, a wireless Apple CarPlay or Android Auto. 
uh, which I guess is important to most people these days. And an analog cluster gauge is standard, but they'll have a 12.3 inch digital screen available on higher trim levels. So very good for Toyota. At least finally it's going to happen. I, you know, it's good to see it happen after all this time. Uh, some other news. Let's see. Do you live in California? And have you modified your car with an aftermarket ECU, electronic control unit, to enhance the performance? Well, you might want to consider returning your car to its original ECU software before you have a smog check. Starting uh, this year, uh, July 19th, so a couple of months ago, testing stations uh, were going to be checking for this. And if you're not running the OEM uh the you know, original manufacturer uh, tuning uh, ECU, uh, they're going to make you fix it. So, so, so it's it's not going to be good if you if you've got something that's aftermarket. Uh, if you believe the vehicle software is already OEM or or you know the California Air Resource Sport Board you know, board had approved it. Um, Yes, uh, you know, you, you, yet your vehicle fails the smog, smog check, check check test. Uh, you can schedule an inspection with the smog check referee. Did you know there was such a thing? There's a smog check referee. Uh, if you unknowingly purchased a vehicle with illegally modified software, you may file a complaint with the, uh, the California Bureau of Automotive Repair. Yeah, <laughs> so maybe it's time to go electric because at least they don't test that one for smog. <laughs> Uh, but if you have a modified version of the car, it's going to be a problem. Uh, Jeep is having a big birthday this year, by the way. It's turning 80. Uh, its origins go back to when the federal government ordered a general-purpose military vehicle from Willys Overland Motors in 1941 for World War II. It has uh, pioneered uh, four-wheel drive capabilities, uh, launched the uh, first premium and subcompact SUVs, and appealed to customers and corporations around the globe. Uh, basically, uh, the, the value of the entire FCA group is uh, between Jeep and Ram trucks. That's really all the value. Everything else is just, you know, zero. Uh, Rivian, my favorite electric uh, pickup truck startup, has finally, you know, it's delayed its man, its uh, uh, deliveries of its FR1T truck, but it just, the first one just last week rolled off the assembly line, the one that they're actually going to sell to a real customer. So things are happening. It just is later than they thought. And the R1S SUV, that's delayed until next year at this point. But at least it's finally happening. And then they say that part of the problem is this manufacturing is hard and chips are hard to get. So, and their software needs to be ready, obviously. So Rivian must think its software is ready enough. So it's rolling off the assembly line at this point. Uh, Ford recalling 675,000 uh, Ford Explorers from the 2013 through 2017 model year because um, concerns with the rear suspension could fracture, potentially causing causing a crash. It appears there's a problem um, in the cross-axis cross ball joint that seizes, causing a rear suspension link to crack. <laughs> That's nice. So if you hear a clunk... <laughs> <laughs> that's unusual, you might want to get it checked. Or if you see misaligned rear wheels, 
hey, why not stop by your dealer and see if there's a problem? Because again, it could be a problem and it could actually you know, lead to an accident if things aren't fixed. So uh, they're going to be recalling, sending out recall notices soon. It'll be checked by dealers and if necessary, these will be replaced. Generally, this happens where the weather is really cold and there's you know, uh, salt and stuff on the streets that, that causes the, the uh, suspension system to wear like this. Uh, generally, in Southern California, we probably wouldn't see it. Uh, to no surprise, uh, GMC announced that it would build an electric pickup truck version uh, of the GMC Hummer SUV and the Hummer SUT. Since Chevy announced it was building, the ele- building an electric Silverado pickup truck, the GMC version, just likely a Sierra, was almost assured. GMC it says it will arrive in 2023. Again, I don't know if they have the batteries for it. Uh, the Silverado EV is said to offer, uh, not, you know, not a standard, but a full range of up to 400 miles. So if you get a huge battery pack, uh, it'll be built in the same um, facility at uh, GM's Detroit Hamatrack uh, plant, renamed Factory Zero. It's going to be the same place where they're building the Hummer uh, SUV and the Hummer SUT, the, the you know the the, the uh, SUV version. So they're all going to be built in the same plant, but GM hasn't even completed its. Um, you know, it's it's factory where they're you know the LG factory where it's building its um, uh, its batteries, its lithium batteries. So uh, where where they're coming from, I don't know. And if you haven't heard, uh, they're having problems with the Chevy Bolt, you know, bursting into flames. They've recalled all of them uh, for the last few years, and they're going to be replacing the battery packs on them. Of course, if this one's already burnt up, I'm sure that the insurance company's already settled with you. And I sure, and if that's already happened, um, my bet is that they're going to have a little talk with GM about giving them some money too. Hey, it's holy money. What the hell? Uh, uh, the, to no one's surprise that this one too, the Lamborghini Urus, which is their SUV, is the most popular offering from the Italian sports car brand. It was launched three years ago and it has now built 15,000 of them. That's a lot for a Lamborghini. Uh, it's a record number. Uh, the older Uracon sports car is still the best-selling Lamborghini of all time, but uh, it's likely that the when and that was sold for over a decade, uh, but it's likely that within just a year, the Urus will... Uh, overtake that position uh, a, mid, a mid-cycle refresh is coming including some minor uh, styling changes new tech features in the cabin and possibly the option of a plug-in powertrain we'll see how it all you know shakes out um let's see uh tesla has having problems uh, we talked about it during their earnings call uh, the cyber truck has been delayed uh, they're not, they're having trouble getting the enough of their new cells called the 4681s, which is this 46 millimeter by 80, sort of like a big fat uh, D battery. Uh, they just don't have enough of them to build their Sabu truck or the um, or the uh, uh, the semi, which they've both got ready to go. But or the, the you know this the, the semi's ready to go, but the cyber truck, uh, this factory won't be uh, ready until probably earlier next year, and then they're going to have to start pre-production of those. But uh, they're also going to be waiting for what they call hardware four, which is a new uh, dr- uh, driving chip, as well as uh, new cameras that uh, it's going to do launched on the cyber truck. Uh, this is Todd Bianco. You're listening to uh, Radio One Eleven. And we'll be right back after this.
Welcome back. Acura has announced the death of the NSX hybrid sports car that actually almost nobody bought. Uh, model year 2022 is the last one for the NSX. Uh, it made it said uh, the 2022 model made its debut uh, a couple of months ago at the Monterey Car Week. Uh, Acura will make 350 examples of the limited production Type S uh, NSX. Uh, of which 300 are for the U.S. market. In case you forgot, the NSX blends a 3.5-liter turbocharged V6 and a nine-speed automatic transmission with three electric motors. Uh, it all works together to make 573 horsepower. The hybrid sports car is able to move under the power of its just its electric motors when you need to make a quiet getaway. Uh, Honda hasn't given any indication that there will be a standard NSX uh, produced this year. Uh, stay tuned. They probably will. But uh, right now, this, they're focusing on the Type S. Uh, most people will, will forget it even exists. Just don't forget because Acura confirmed that there will be a third generation NS, NSX. Uh, it won't happen immediately. And when it does appear, it's almost certain to be all electric. There's been another automotive death announced, and I'm kind of sad about this one because, you know, this is a this is a good car that sold sells old okay, but not very well anymore. Toyota will stop selling the Avalon, which is their large sedan, like so kind of like a stretched Camry, uh, after the 2022 model year. Sales have been slipping. Toyota sold only 18,000 Avalons in 2020, and the number looks equally low in 2021. If you want a big, luxurious Toyota and don't want to pay for the Lexus badge, uh, you'll have to you know, hurry up and get one for the 2022 model year. Uh, the Lexus ES is essentially a gussied-up Avalon, but the Avalon is going to be several thousand dollars cheaper. So, uh, but Toyota will continue to sell the uh, the Lexus because I guess they still need an entry level sedan. Uh, let's see, uh, Lamborghini is celebrating its 50th anniversary, and they're going to reintroduce the Countach, uh, which is uh, also de debuted at the Quail, which is a motorsport gathering during the Monterey Car Week. Uh, the modern Kuntak is based on the bones of the Aventador and features a hybrid power chain similar to the one on the Cyan supercar that they showed in 2019. In both cases, there's a small electric motor integrated with the transmission added um, to provide a boost to the familiar 6.2-liter V12, which on its own develops 770 horsepower. Uh, the electric motor, which only aids uh, the engine at speeds up to 81 miles per hour, um, is also able to recover energy under braking, which it stores in a supercapacitor instead of a typical battery. Um, it does drive all four wheels. It's not the technology that Lamborghini plans. It's an Aventador. Um, it's not the same one that they're going to use in later uh, versions of the Aventador. So it's kind of using the old tech. The car will feature a battery uh, and a battery and newly developed V12 plug-in uh, configuration when it is introduced. That's the Aventador. Uh, the modern Kuntak is uh, still a porky thing with 3,500 pounds with a percentage split 43.57 front to rear. Lamborghini says the Kuntak will go 0 to 60 uh, in 2.8 seconds. Um, and uh, 0 to 123, which is 200 kph in 8.6 seconds with a top speed of 221 miles per hour. Uh, the original Kuntak was uh, 
introduced at the 1971 Geneva International Motor Show and was produced all the way up to the night to 1990. Uh, Lamborghini will build only 112 Countach supercars uh, for the bargain price of between 2.5 and 3 million, million and 3 million. All are already sold. Just in case you were wondering, maybe somebody will sell you what, you know one they just bought. Um, Rivian is going to is looking at producing a second factory in Texas, even though they've haven't even really started uh, delivering their cars yet from their factory in Normal, Illinois. Uh, they think it could be, uh, a, you know, up to two hundred thousand vehicles could be produced there each year. Uh, you know, they think maybe by twenty twenty seven it will all be there with seventy five hundred jobs. But frankly, what they should be doing right now is focusing on getting this Norma, Illinois plant working before they worry about anything else. Uh, in the coming hour, uh, John McMullen and I are going to be talking our bring a trailer picks uh, for the week. Uh, John has some interesting uh um, selections and mine focuses on older Mercedes Benz that are becoming very collectible at this point. Uh, and then in the last few minutes of the hour, I'm going to look at some old uh, stickers uh, from cars, you know, from the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s uh, that I've also seen on Bringer Trailer. But it's, uh, it's always fun to see what the stickers looked like for the cars back uh, in those days. And you, you can lament not being able to purchase one for what seems like cheap today under U.S under the dollars today but was probably expensive that then back then this is todd bianco you're listening to radio 111 and we'll be back after the news and commercials the discussion from zero to 100 in seconds radio 111 presents southern california's talk about cars and trucks it's all revved up with todd bianco welcome 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 it's bring a trailer hour and i have my friend john mcmullen with me hi john greetings todd it's been a while it has been a while so we're not going to go over picks that we had from a couple of months ago we're going to dive right into our new picks uh for today if you don't mind Absolutely. So let's By the start way, with before your you 19, start, 1977 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am. Before you start that, yes. I just wanted to note that there was a, that there is one item on the auction. If you're joining us live on Saturday at what time is it? Two o six. That has a minute and a half left to go in the auction, and I'm kind of blown away by it. It's a 1975 Volkswagen Type Two Westfalia Camper. And Ooh. its current bid is at thirty-seven thousand bucks. Oh, it'll go for more than that. You think? <laughs> oh yeah. 
It only has 31,000 miles shown, but total mileage is unknown. Unknown, is- yeah. It probably has turned over at least once, but they've probably refreshed the engine. Yeah, campers are highly collectible now. Really? Yeah. I mean, even if they can't make it up a hill, they're still highly collectible. <laughs> I swear to God, I remember a neighbor of ours had one. Um, you know, they, they're very nice people. And I remember that they, they were the first people to take me to the Rose Parade. And so we were going from the valley, uh, Woodland Hills, to Pasadena. It could, it, we had to go, we, you know, we were on the freeway for a part of the time. You had to go in the slow lane. Everybody was honking. And then we had to get off the, the, uh, the, the, the freeway and take surface streets once we hit, say, Griffith Park area. And we could take surface streets again yeah. uh, because it was so slow. You know, it had five people in it. It couldn't, you know, could barely move. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> one thing that can definitely move, I'm sure, is my first pick this week. Yes, your 1977 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am Special Edition four-speed. So, <laughs> you like these cars. You you always like the Smokey and the Bandit cars, don't you? I do. I have a <laughs> I have a preference for them. That's for sure. <laughs> Okay, so let's see what this says here. Uh, this 1977 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am Special Edition is a Y82 Hurst hatch example finished in starlight black over black cloth upholstery. It's powered by a 400 cubic inch V8 paired with a four-speed manual transmission and a limited slip differential. Equipment includes the W72 performance package, gold body package, gold you know, graphics. It, it's also tough to find uh, this model of vehicle with a um, with a manual transmission. Uh, right. And I love, of course, the um, black velour in the seats. <laughs> well, actually, they were kind of comfy. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, they're 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 actually quite nice. I had a friend with a Camaro with the with the with the similar vintage. And how can uh, with I the for- seats is very comfortable. How can I forget the uh, the T top, which is a necessity for this model of vehicle? Absolutely, and watch for the leaks because <laughs> they do end up leaking. Yeah, um, but it has you know all the gold body graphics, so it's got a you know lining all the way around the, you know, the the wheel arches and the front air dam and stuff. It's got the gold you know uh, screaming chicken on on the hood. Yeah. Uh, it says Trans Am in gold. The wheels are you know gold uh, tinted inside. I mean, it's got it all, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> so. So let's see. Uh, it, I actually really like the interior of this. I, you know, the the cr- it, this has the crushed velour, not just the regular velour. This is the good velour. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a neat car. Um, uh, and yeah, it's it's, it? it's up in New York, it? I think. It's, it's a 72, uh, 77,000 miles shown. So they actually think that's real. That's pretty low for a nineteen seventy seven car. Yeah. Well, it's sitting in Glenhead, New York, and I think there's uh, about six days left on this auction. All right, and current bid is thirty-two thousand. It'll. Do you think it'll get up to like seventy-five, eighty? I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to push fifty. I don't know where it's going to go from there, though. It's kind of a rare bird, just <laughs> rare bird. It's a rare car <laughs> just because of the four-speed and the and the bigger and the bigger V8 engine. I want it, Daddy. <laughs> I'll make sure and put in a word in with Santa. <laughs> it's an early Christmas present. Okay. It would be. Uh, 
Uh, let's look at your next car. Another muscle car, John. Yep. It's a 1970 Plymouth Barracuda four-speed with 400 and, with a powered by a 440 cubic inch V8. And this one has 59,000 miles, but total mileage is unknown, so it's likely that it's rolled over at least once. Yeah. Now, what what attracted you to this besides the fantastic styling? Well, the fantastic styling, of course, <laughs> and the fact that I'm sure it's it's got a little pick up and go. Um, it is a, uh, I don't know, I love that era, you know, of the the Barracudas, and I had a teacher who had one, and and mm-hmm. always always thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I think they're beautiful. I think the bodies are beautiful on these. I like the thin A pillar. Uh, the roof just seems like a, you know a little bit of a roof. It's not heavy-handed at all. Uh, even the uh, you know it has it doesn't have a B pillar, but even the C pillar, which is where the roof melds into the the, the back, uh, you know where the trunk is, is is right, really very thin in comparison to uh, cars these days. Yeah. So let's see, see what it says. This 1970. Plymouth Barracuda was acquired by the selling dealer in 2017, and a refurbishment during current ownership is said to have consisted of paint and bodywork, reupholstering the, the interior, uh, refurbishing the rear axle, and rebuilding the engine, transmission, and suspension. In other words, everything. The car is finished in black over black vinyl and is powered by a replacement 440 cubic inch V8 made into a four-speed manual transmission uh, with an eight and three-quarter inch uh, rear axle and a three to 3.55 to one ratio differential. Equipment includes 15-inch rally wheels, power um, four-wheel disc brakes, power st- which is very rare for a car back then, uh, power steering, uh, retro look stereo. Uh, in other words, it's a modern stereo, but it looks retro. It's an easy <clears> car to get, to get killed in, too, because it only has yes. lap belts. Oh, yes. And, and by the way, these things only go, go well on a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Curves are not good for this. I mean, anything that's other than a straight line is not good for this car. Right. <laughs> it's unfortunate. But uh, let's see. It's uh, got four days left, and its current bid is at thirty-five thousand. Uh, it's beautifully presented. I mean, it really is. You know, when when you've uh, you know redone the paint and the the interior, uh, the interior looks gorgeous and. Uh, everything on this car really looks nice. It's a it's a great example of a 1970 Barracuda. Uh, you know, it was it was similar to the Dodge Challenger. You know, but it, of course this was the Plymouth version, and this was called the Cuda. You, know, you can't go wrong with that, can you? The right. name is great. No, nope. uh, but no air conditioning. Yeah, well, it's not so, going to work out here. Yeah, it's not going to work for the Coachella Valley. That's for <laughs> sure. Right. Let's look at your next car. Now, this is this is the departure, but this car was never sold in the United States. This is a 1985 BMW 323i Bauer TC five-speed. So this was <clears throat> these were in Europe. I remember these, and so they're they're kind of a convertible. They're you know they still have a like yeah, a I roll that bar that was between. Cool, kind of a cool thing because it's it's like not the top doesn't come down, but the back it looks like just the where the back window area is um yeah it, is yeah, a soft sort of, top thing that comes yeah, down it, yeah it folds down there and then i think you take the roof the, the the top of the roof off to to get the full effect oh it does so 
Yeah, it's not really a convertible though, and that you know we would normally think of a you know just press one button and everything retracts. And this isn't done this way. This is done. Uh, this was done aftermarket in Germany because I don't think they had the convertibles of these. So it says <clears throat> it's 1985 BMW 325 323i uh, Bauer TC model was imported and federalized. So someone spent some money in 1985. Oh wow, they did it in 1985. Holy crap, that had to cost a fortune. Because to federalize a car even then was not cheap because you had to make sure that it met all federal crash requirements and uh, safety requirements, all those various types of things. Uh, by, it was imported by Choice Import Cars of California. That doesn't surprise me. And it was acquired by the seller in 2001, so 20 years ago. It is finished in dolphin gray metallic over red leather, which is very pretty. Uh, and is powered by a 2.3-liter inline-six paired with a five-speed manual transmission and a limited slip differential. Equipment includes a retractable soft top, uh, additional modifications that were reportedly installed by the original selling dealer include uh, a Kamal body kit, uh, leather-wrapped dashboard, wow, someone really spent money for this, uh, 15-inch BBS wheels, a lowered suspension with Bilstein shocks, and a Hartage uh, cylinder head, uh, camshaft and exhaust system. This Bauer TC is now offered with the with federalized documentation, records dating back to the 80s, wow, and a 2017 appraisal, uh, service uh, summary, and a clean Carfax report in Arizona in the seller's name. Well, wow. yeah, definitely it's, a bright interior. Yeah, it's it's uh, and it the matches bit, the uh, hot red Arizona license plate. <laughs> yes, uh, it's just it's very unusual to see one of these. Yeah. Uh, what I think is weird though is that well, it's got about a day left to go in in the, in the auction, and it's only bid to eight thousand dollars right now. Hmm. Uh, but it must be that it has a high mileage on it. And a lot of times, you know, that people are wary of cars that might have high mileage, especially older ones like this, because it does end up costing a fortune to fix it. The parts are around. There's plenty of parts for these things, but fixing things isn't cheap. Yeah. Well, uh, it's in Tucson, Arizona, not that far away. Not that far away, and it's only at eight thousand dollars. I mean, you know, you can have yeah. that just for the uh, red interior. I don't, I don't usually go for uh, uh, BM. W's, but I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a cool car. Yeah, it's 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 very rare to see them anymore. I I, I uh, knew a couple that had one that they were <clears throat> working for one of the big um, what was it a drug company Beckman Smith Klein Beckman. Uh, any rate, they they worked for the uh, one of the, I think the the scientific equipment division of them, and they uh, they were stationed in Switzerland for. Years and years and years. Uh, and then they came back to the United States and were disappointed. But they had one of these cars, and they brought it back with them. So it was kind of an oddity. And I remember that uh, uh, because it was part of their deal that when they came back, they took their car. Uh, Beckman had to pay for the federalization of it. Wow. <laughs> so – it was it was not a cheap thing, but they did it for them, and you know it was all done. And they, you know, they paid for the move, and they paid for everything. Uh, but uh, th- these these were you know quite oddities uh, in the '80s because they were never sold here, um, and they were you know they were done aftermarket. BMW didn't do these; these were done by Bauer, B-A-U-R aftermarket. So that's why uh, you just didn't see them here. And again, federalization couldn't have been cheap on these cars. I'll tell you, um, my next pick. Um, when we get to it after the break, right. uh, 
I'm actually kind of surprised as I look back and look at some more of the pictures that I selected this because there is a domestic-made automobile um, that I absolutely hated when it came out. I <laughs> thought it was the ugliest thing on earth, but this was a different manufacturer here in the U.S., and uh-huh. it was uh, how things were back then. And so I yes. thought, this is a lot more authentic than what... Chrysler ended up doing that hideous with that PT same, Cruiser. Yeah, with that PT <laughs> Cruiser. So, okay, okay. anyway, we'll talk more right, about well, it when we'll, we get back. <laughs> uh, this is Todd Bianco and John McMullen. You're listening to uh, Radio 111, all revved up. We'll be right back. Revved Up continues with Todd Bianco, your Radio 111 auto aficionado. Here's Todd. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen, and we're talking bring a trailer auction picks this week. And John, your last pick is a 350 powered, which is a GM engine, a 1937 Ford Coupe. And it's two-tone. It's uh, silver uh, in the half, in the lower half and blue on the top. Yeah, I like the color. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very nice color combination. Sharp it's look a, and with yeah. those wheels and all that, and it just looks really cool. But um, the one thing I don't like is the grill, and f- probably because I hated the the, uh, the PT, PT Cruiser, Cruiser from yeah. Chrysler so much that, you know, but again, this is, you know, 1930s, not uh, 2005. Yeah, things were different. But the, the problem, of course, with the, the PT Cruiser was that it was just cheap. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, everything was cheap plastic. Everything was, a you know, an attempt at retro. I mean, they made a big deal of it when they came out. And I, they sold I'll, quite I'll well. Never remember, forget. they were all over the place. I'll never I mean, forget, actually, um, that there was an accident one afternoon in Cathedral City. And a truck lost control of its um, brakes, and at the intersection of Ramon and Date Palm, the truck was right behind a PT Cruiser um, going northbound on Date Palm, Mm -hmm. and it smashed into the back of it, and it literally turned it into such a tiny accordion that the unfortunate... uh, situation of the driver who was an elderly man um was basically uh turned into an accordion as well and crushed yeah and he was killed on the spot and that was i was just like oh my god i'm so glad i've not (laughs) been in one of these things yeah probably a good idea they you know i just i looked at them when i looked i thought they were kind of cool but then i kept looking at it and, and there's such cheap plastic inside everything about it was cheap it was like a nut dodge neon except it looked different <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's supposed to look not, like a vintage car or something yeah, yeah yeah they they tried um okay so let's see what it says here this 1937 ford coupe is mod is a modified example of what was completed in 2006 and acquired by the current owner in 2017 the car is finished in two-tone silver over 
a silver and blue over a gray interior and is powered by a 350 cubic inch General Motors V8 paired with a, a TH Turbo Hydromatic 350 uh, three-speed automatic transmission. Equipment includes a Mustang II front suspension. Boy, they really, this is really a, a, a mashup here. Uh, and disc brakes, 15-inch Krager wheels, a four-barrel carburetor, uh, dual exhaust system, uh, classic instruments, uh, gauges, uh, power windows, a vintage air conditioning system, which is nice, and a Pioneer stereo. Uh, this Ford Coupe is now offered on dealer consignment in California with service records and a clean Oklahoma title. Look at those seats, though. Aren't those amazing? Yeah, the seats are pretty cool. And on top of that, I have to imagine, I'm looking actually right now. I didn't look earlier, but I'm just taking a look now and, you know, kind of what I would expect from the shape of the car. Um, there basically is about a youth hostel size room in the trunk. So <laughs> God knows what all you could take in this thing. Yeah. Definitely a, a <laughs> steamer trunk. The those were made back then. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, they, 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 really, they really did it. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so and let's that see. Engine it's, uh, is beautiful too. A, it's in uh, West LA. It's got about a day left, and the current bid is at twenty four nine ninety nine. I hope. I hope it makes. I hope it makes that noise. Is my dog choking? <laughs> uh, I hope it makes. <laughs> hope it makes. Oh, I uh, laugh. You know, it, it, it sells. <laughs> okay. Uh, Let's so it's going to go let's, in about a day. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, let, let's uh, start in on my pick. I don't know if we're going to have time to to uh, finish this particular one uh, before we go into the news at the bottom of the hour. But um, let's see. This is a – I picked this because it's such a rarity because it is a uh, 1993 Mercedes-Benz 500 SL – I mean SEL. So it's the big four-door long sedan. And it only has 4,700 miles on it. 4,700 miles on it. And it looks it too. It looks it yeah. looks like it's right out of the showroom. Yeah. Um, these were – the, the reason I picked this, we'll go into it more after the after the break, but the reason I picked this is because this was the last generation of S-Class that was engineered and sold by the engineers, not the cost accountants. When uh, they built this thing, the engineers simply said, this is what it's going to be. And the cost accounts were, were told, okay, now you need to price it. So it didn't matter whether it was 60000 70000 it was 80000 It didn't matter. If it was eighty thousand dollars, it was eighty thousand dollars, and you're able to sell it for eighty thousand dollars. Didn't matter. That was because the engineers ran the company. Huh. The engineers no longer run Mercedes Benz. Mercedes Benz is is a All you know they have counters. a they have a you know a, a, a vehicle for every possible niche. This is before then when there were only three levels of Mercedes, and you know uh, the, this was the pinnacle of of of, of their you know their uh, brand. This was the S class. This was the uh, best luxury sedan you can buy for your money. Doesn't matter whether it was a Rolls Royce or a Bentley. Doesn't matter. It was a Mercedes Benz, and it was the best. So when we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about this. This is Todd Bianco with John McMullen. You're listening to Radio 111, and we'll be right back.
Radio 111 is talking all things automotive on All Revved Up with Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen, and we're talking our bring a trailer picks for this week. Uh, and we were talking about this uh, Merce- 1993 Mercedes-Benz 500 SEL. No reserve, I might add, with only 4,700 miles. Um, back back in the, the day, these days of Mercedes-Benz, there was the you know the uh, the small Benz, which was uh, the 190 class, and now called the C class. There was the middle size, which was the E class, executive class, and then there was the S class. They didn't have everything else in between. Uh, they didn't have SUVs, and they of course they had the SL, which was the pinnacle of Mercedes engineering as it has always been. Uh, but this that's all they had. They didn't have like you know 12 different versions of these things. So this was the uh, basically almost top of the line. There was a 600 SEL, which was a, the V12 version, but this is the V8 version. Um, this was, you know, can, and by the way, when they sold these cars, there weren't options. You, that you just bought the car. It had everything on it. You know, maybe you got, you know, wipers for the uh, for the headlights. But other, you know, or but other than that, basically, it comes with everything that you would want. And there were no, you didn't go through an option list and say, you know, I want this and check off that and check off that. You know, now you do all that. But back then, you just, you know, this was the sticker price and uh, this was the car and you just pick the color and that was it. Uh, and so it was very easy for Mercedes-Benz dealers. And, you know, these were expensive. Um this is a beautiful car. Uh, again, it was. It's you, you might call it plain, but one of the things that I have to like about it is if you look at the rear of the car and you look at the you know the trunk and just to the side of each side, the, the very tip of the back of each uh, side of the trunk, there is this uh, not on the trunk but on the, the rear fender. There's these little holes, and out of those holes come these. It's like little antenna that come up like about 12 inches. That was for you to sight the car when you were backing up. It's like little antenna that came up so you could sight the rear of the car when you were backing huh. up by looking at the antenna. <laughs> That's yes. cool. Talk about, talk about over-engineered, right? Right. <laughs> so... Uh, that was just Mercedes-Benz, and that's what they did. And then this, this I think, is stunning, and it's only at $20,000 right now. I mean, the car was probably originally like $75,000, and, uh, you know, uh, this is just an amazing uh, version of this car. And, again, the last time it was engineered by, you know, the uh, the engineering staff and just sold as it was, and, and the company was that way. And uh, the next car that I picked is also of these uh, vintage eras, and this is a um, – <clears throat> and a 19, I would say a 2000 Mercedes-Benz SL 500 with 38,000 miles on it. Again, very, very low mileage. Um, it's uh, what a color is it? It's desert silver metallic over beige Napa upholstery. It says this 2000 Mercedes SL 500 is powered by a five-liter V8 with a five-speed automatic transmission and is finished in desert silver metallic over beige Napa leather. Equipment includes a removable hardtop with a panoramic glass roof. That was what they added in later years. Uh, they sold the same model for 14 or 15 years. I mean, they didn't change it every three years. Um, 
let's see, equipment includes a removable hardtop, 17-inch uh, five-spoke alloy wheels, xenon headlights. Again, that was later in the model run. Uh, front fog lamps, automatic climate control, heated seats, and AM, FM cassette stereo, trunk-mounted CD changer. They had that all along. And deployable roll bar. The selling dealer acquired the car in September of 2021, and it has 38,000 miles. This R129, that's just the internal factory designation, is now offered by the selling dealer at no reserve uh, with a clean Wisconsin title. It is, again, a flawless car. Now, these cars, this was the pinnacle of Mercedes engineering. This was the first time that somebody put the um, uh, the, the seat belts as part of the seat. You know, if you look at it, that the seat belt is uh, uh, is part of the seat. It's integrated into the seat. Uh, and uh, I had one of these cars in 1991, uh, black over black. And it was the best joyride you could ever have uh, going down the freeway. Or I would take it out early in the morning and floor it. Now, again, this is back then, but a, a V8 with 300 horsepower and a little two-seater car, it was absolutely fabulous. Great. Wow. It has its own, you know, it has, you know, the, 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 this was one of the first cars with an automatic top all the way. In other words, you never had to unlock or the top, you know, where it hits the, the, you know, the windshield, the windscreen at the top. It unlocked itself and locked itself in. You know, you didn't have to unlock it manually. Uh, it had an automatic pop-up roll bar, uh, or you could uh, switch it to come on, um, you know, come up just to make it look cool. Uh, but uh, these were, you know, they're, they're starting to be collectible. Uh, this car is, uh, I think, stunning. Uh, this is a good color combination. <clears throat> right now, it's got three days left. It's only at $8,900. It has a no-reserve auction, so it's going to sell. Uh, but uh, this is a really terrific-looking car. Uh, again, this is this was the last year that an SL was made that was engineered uh, and priced as if it didn't matter what the price was. I think these started at like $100,000, and you just bought the car. That was it. It had everything standard on it. Hmm, nice. Mm, yeah, this is nice. And that's why the next car I picked, which is, <laughs> this is another one. This is a uh, 2000, and it's again, it's the same looking model. It's a, they again, they kept selling it year after year. They didn't redesign it until I think 2003. Uh, it's a 34,000 mile 2002 Mercedes Benz SL500. This is rare to see it in Magna Red. Um, and what it says is the 2002 Mercedes SL500 is finished in Magna Red over black Napa leather. It's powered by a 5-liter V8 with a 5-speed automatic transmission. Again, same as the last one. Uh, equipment includes the AMG styling package. That might have been an option. Uh, Color-matched uh, removable hardtop with a panoramic glass roof. Uh, a black soft top, 18-inch uh, five-spoke uh, AMG wheels, xenon headlights, fog lights, automatic climate control, heated seats, and a roll bar. Current owner acquired the car in 2021. It has 34,000 miles. This R29 is now offered on dealer consignment in New Jersey. Now, this has six days to go, but if you notice, the price of this is at 21. It's at 21,129. The, the 129 is bring a trailer's way of saying this is an R129. Huh, okay. You know, this is just what they do on when they bid on these things. Yeah. But it's already at $20,000. Uh, and because of it's the color combination is desirable. And the last one's only at $8,900. Hmm. So the, this, you know, the, the comments on this have been, you know, fabulous, 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 fabulous. I mean, you know, people are just, you know, drooling over it. 
uh, and, and it has a leather dashboard, I guess, that, you know, they thought it was an option, and that's only for the 600. But, yeah, so this is a really a, a beauty with uh, – there's really nothing wrong with it. <clears throat> so uh, we'll see where that goes. But I think that's going to suffer much more than the previous one, even though they're essentially identical cars. Yeah. Uh, then the next one I picked was when they redesigned the car. Uh, and, and I picked this one so you could contrast it to the cheaper interior. And, the you know, it's got the new styling, but it doesn't have quite the, 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 the gravitas that these older ones had, you know, the heavyweight-looking things. Um, this one is a 46,000-mile, um, again, no reserve, though, 2003 Mercedes-Benz SL500. And this was, re- this was the first time it had been redesigned in uh, 14 or 15 years. Uh, the, this 2003 Mercedes-Benz SL500 was first registered in Florida, and it has remained in the state through the current owner's acquisition in 2016. It's finished in travertine beige metallic over light beige leather and is powered by a 5-liter V8 with a 5-speed automatic transmission, so same drivetrain. Uh, equipment includes a retractable hardtop, um, which is different now because the other one had a hard, a separate hardtop and a retractable softtop. So this one came with a retractable hardtop, which meant the, which meant the butt the, the butt of it looks bigger because it had to retract into something. Uh, active body control, heated multi-contour seats, um, dual zone automatic climate control, 18-inch Alfred uh, alloy wheels, and a co-man infotainment system. Ugh. A and what? A C- and a CD player and a premium sound. Uh, recent service included that, blah, blah, blah. So this is an R230, so it's a different generation. Uh, and if you look at the interior of it, it doesn't quite... It just looks a little more dated, and it looks a little cheaper. What is a Coman infotainment system? A Coman is, I forgot what it stands for, but it's Mercedes' version of just, uh, the, that, that's what their infotainment system is called. It, it, it has a, it has a, a Coman is actually a, you know an abbreviation for what it stood for. I don't remember what it is, but it's, you know, it's a... They they still use I think they still use the word command in some of their uh, their their advertising for the, the the market they have, but it was basically their new branded infotainment system uh, with uh, you know a screen and all that, which is completely dated at this point. See, the other one isn't dated because it didn't have anything that was non that was digital like this. Everything was analog, and so everything then looks normal. Yeah. This one, you know, when you fire up that. Uh, uh, you know that screen. It's going to look like an antique from you know, uh, like like looking at an old black and white TV by comparison to a, a modern screen on a modern car today. It just doesn't look as well. It doesn't right. look right. And a cheap steering wheel and the only you know. infotainment you need in your car is Radio One Eleven. That's all you need, and you can stream that with your smartphone, can't you? You can. Yeah, from TuneIn. Yep. Yep, and you can even ask. And it integrates. Alexa to play. It integrates into all of the, you know, all of the uh, dashboard, digital dashboard systems like Apple CarPlay and and Tesla's entertainment system and Android Auto. So, yep, it's got it's got it all. Uh, let's see. I'm I'm going to skip a bit because we're you know running out of time. I want to go to this 4,900 mile Honda S2000. These are becoming highly collectible. Um, they the the bidding on the, again the, the comments have been perfect perfect. 
perfect. You're not going to find another nicer one. You're not going to find a nicer one. You're not going to find a nicer one. Uh, it, the current bid is already at $40,000 and it's got five days left to go. The original purchase price for this car was $32,000. Um, so this, let me say, this 2002 Honda S2000 is finished in uh, Berlina black over black leather and is powered by a 2.0 liter VTEC inline four paired with a six-speed manual transmission. Equipment includes limited slip differential, black soft top, xenon headlights, uh, a wind deflector, air conditioning, and a factory CD stereo. The car was first registered in California and remained in the state until it was acquired by the seller in August of 2021. Then it was, you know, shipped out of state. It should have stayed in state. Um, this AP1, I guess that's the internal designation, has 4,900 miles and is now offered with the manufacturer's literature, three keys, remote fob, and clean Carfax report. Now, these are all rear-wheel drive cars. I believe they were all equipped the same. This is one where they you didn't have to worry about you know, all the optional equipment on it. I think they were all equipped essentially the same. And if I look at, yeah, I'm looking at the sticker from it, and it was for $32,860 was the original purchase price, and it didn't have any options on it. This was, you know, this is, you know, the, the full, the full, uh, the way they were all equipped. Uh, just the fact that it's a little Honda Roadster, it's rear drive, it's got the cool VTEC engine, it's hard to miss. So It's a sexy uh, car. Yep. Uh, you're listening to All Revved Up. This is, I mean, uh, you know, this is uh, Radio 111. I'm with, here with John McCollum, Todd Bianco. We'll be right back. Radio 111 showroom. Todd Bianco is talking automotive industry news and insight. All revved up continues. Here's Todd. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hi, John. Hey, Todd. Uh, I'd like to to try this as a new segment uh, for the show. And this is looking back at old window stickers uh, from cars of the past. Sure. Just to sort of have fun with how much things cost back then and those, you know, and, and, you know, what was considered expensive. The first one I have is a 1994 Oldsmobile, which of course is a dead brand, Cutlass Supreme two-door coupe convertible. Mm. Mm, this, was, this was the, you know, this was a really hot car back then. Uh, the uh, base price of it was 25470 Yeah, it was Yowzer! And the bit, the big, uh, you know, most of the thing, most things were standard on this car, like an automatic transmission, uh, air conditioning, that kind of thing. But the big option on this car was the. It went from a 3.1 liter V6 to a 3.4 liter twin dual cam V6, including special suspension components, dual exhaust, uh, and you know, an aero wing, uh, special tires. 
but it won't accept chains, of course. It says you can't say you can't drive it in the snow. And uh, that was $1,085. Then there was the option package, uh, number S one SC. This was expensive too. Uh, it was $691, but look what you got. You got remote lock control, so you got a remote key, uh, illumination package, the unlock door reminder light. Mm. So if you have, a, I guess there's something on the dashboard that reminds you, it's you know there's a doors unlocked. Um, <laughs> these days they lock, you know, cars lock when you put it into drive. Um, it has a keychain transmitter, dual lighted visor vanity, ooh, uh, power antenna. Power electronic comfort control air conditioning. So it was, you know, it's automatic air conditioning as opposed to just standard air conditioning. Uh, steering wheel touch controls. Yeah. So that's what you got for $691. Today, almost everything there is standard. Woohoo. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, things have changed. Uh, and the shipping chart, let's see, what else would they have? Oh, Delco electronic uh, controlled AM FM stereo with seek and scan auto reverse cassette, a music search, <laughs> digital clock and a graphic equalizer. That was $130. Wow. Body side molded for $60, John. You were happening by the way, if you had a digital clock in your car, you were digital. Yes. Yeah. It's hot, hot stuff. <clears throat> now here's an interesting, you one. were this back is a to 19- the future. Yeah. This is a 1991 Chevrolet Fleetside pickup truck four-wheel drive. Uh, it has a standard 5.7 liter uh, electronic fuel injection V8 gas engine uh, and four-speed automatic transmission with overdrive. Uh, you know things like uh, uh, what have we got here? Now the, the, it starts at fourteen thousand six hundred and fifteen dollars. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but you add you know, there's a bunch of options on this car, John. Uh, there was the preferred equipment group of two thousand nine hundred ninety-six dollars. And what and, was uh, defined as preferred equipment then? Well, you get the Silverado equipment, which includes air conditioning, convenience group tilt wheel and speed control, convenience group power door locks and power windows. AM FM stereo radio with cassette, seek and scan, equalizer, and clock, sliding rear window, auxiliary lighting, and stainless steel uh, mirrors on the outside. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the four speed automatic transmission was $870. It's expensive. Uh, the 5.7 liter V8 was also an option, even, you know, it was $820. Very expensive. Uh, locking differential, $252. Chrome rear step bumper, $229. Wow. <laughs> Cast aluminum wheels, $220. Special rear tires, $72. Special front tires with white letters on them, John. <laughs> 72 each, you know, back and rear, front and rear. And then it comes a spare tire. If only we could bucks. get tires for that today. 
I don't know. The front bumper card was $32. So it t- came with a total of options of $5,599 for a total of $20,214, uh, $575 in destination charges, uh, and it's a total of $20,789. But because you got everything in this group together, they gave you a $1,000 discount. So the vehicle price was only $19,789. You got to keep it under that 20K mark. I mean, you'll love the MPG, city MPG of 13 and highway of 16. Oh my God. <laughs> but it uses regular gas. Good news. <laughs> yeah. And, and for somebody who today drives around $1,178. Yeah. Well, for somebody who today runs around in an electric car, I mean, it must. <laughs> Just give you the heebie-jeebies yeah. when you think about the, that gas again. Yeah, almost $5 a gallon. Uh, well, John, I appreciate you spending this hour with me. It's been a lot of fun. Of course. We'll see you next and week. We're, we're glad to be on the new Highway 111 radio. Uh, listen to us on TuneIn or ask Alexa to play it for you. Uh, this is Todd Bianco with John McBallin. We'll be see you next week. <laughs>